This is a great role for me currently, but it's allowing me to develop some of the skills that I will need to branch out on my own. But knowing that I'm going to move forward in a direction that aligns with me. And again, I've never had that before. I've never had that feeling behind me. This is the Happen to Your Career podcast with Scott Anthony Barlow. We help you stop doing work that doesn't fit you, figure out what does, and make it happen. We help you define the work that's unapologetically you, and then go get it. If you're ready to make a change, keep listening. Here's Scott. Here's Scott. Here's Scott. So the next two podcasts are going to be a little bit different than what we normally do. Here's why. Because... Usually we'll bring on a guest, we'll answer questions from listeners, we'll you know, do any number of things like that, do it, replay a training. We've got lots of different things that we've done many times, many, many, many times over on the show. This time around, it's just me. It's just me and I'm going to teach you some of the most important things that I've learned about career change over the last eight years or so. and. Specifically, I'm going to break it down into 13 steps for you to be able to reinvent your career. In this episode of the podcast, we're going to cover how to refocus the entire way that you're making this type of career change, the way that you are reinventing your career, and specifically, how to make the process work for you. Because unless you do that, then guess what? It's not. So here's something that's really, really interesting. Most people try to make a career change by going on to indeed.com, going on to LinkedIn, insert your job search posting area of choice, right? That gets, that gets a whole bunch of play. You go on there and then you look at job postings. One of a couple different things happen. Either you find something that's absolutely amazing and you start looking at it and you're like, oh my goodness, I don't have the experience that they're looking for, or you can't find anything. And that's even more depressing because it's like, is there anything that's going to be out there for me? And as one HTYC listener said, she ended up going home and crying into her wine. And that's the point in time where that would occur. So that's no good. I don't want you crying into your wine, or at least not very often. And instead, I'd much rather that you are identifying what creates an amazing situation for you, what creates a not just better career, but better life for you. Who are those people that you want to be able to spend more time around and the types of relationships that you want in your life? Who are the who are the the people that you want to be able to work with, not just your coworkers, but also that you just generally would want to actually you know, spend eight to 10 hours a day around or interacting with or collaborating with and are making you better in one way or another. Because if we know those types of things, then we can begin to identify what creates an absolutely amazing situation for you. We also must consider what else is going to create the ideal work opportunity for you, not just for your career right now, but as it evolves over time too, because if you don't know the answer to that, how are you ever going to get there? It's, it's unlikely to happen accidentally, very unlikely to happen accidentally. And that's why, as you look around the world, less than 4% of people in the entire world really have 
jobs, really have work that fits them in a variety of different ways. And in the United States, it's a little bit higher. However, it's still only 13%. Okay. Now, when we start to look and break down the different areas that really create a better situation for you, that allows us to be able to get to where we really want to go. That allows us to be able to create what we'll call the destination for work. And although, you know, it really isn't a destination because it continues to evolve. I love the analogy because you have to understand where you're going if you want to be able to map a road to get there. And most people, uh, once they understand what the plan is, they can execute on a plan in one way or another. They can, you know, pull through to be able to make that happen. It's just that work that really actually fits work that's much more meaningful work that really fits you is so rare that almost nobody understands how to actually get there because it's off the charted territory. Okay. Now, the other thing that happens is after you end up crying into your wine and you know bringing on the Netflix binge, then you go through this up and down period of time where you're telling yourself that your current job, it really is pretty good. So maybe you should just stick it out. And then a week goes by and then something else happens. And you're like, well, you know what? I guess I, I guess I must do something about this now. And then you give it a couple of days and then the cycle starts to turn, start over again. And at some point you're like, well, you know, it's not that bad. Maybe I could stay. And then something great happens. You're like, ah, actually, you know, this is pretty good. I can, I can deal with this. And then boom, it repeats itself. So here's, here's the thing that I've learned after doing this a long time, that work that really fits, you don't have perfect days, but you also don't have that ever line question behind there about whether or not this is right for me. So the fact that you have that question at all is an indicator that you should do something about it. Uh, now, if we really dig into some of the science behind that, uh, and I, this is a really interesting set of studies that have amounted into the science of regret. You know, what do you have regret or what are you more likely to have regret on versus not have regret on at the end of your life or different portions of your life? And when you dig into some of those studies, what becomes very, very clear is that when people have that type of feeling where they should do something about it, or they think they should do something about it for themselves and know deep down that, hey, this is probably not right for me, but maybe I could stick it out. Uh, and you're at that place when you're, when you're there, then if you take action and make a move and make a change, you are very unlikely to have regret. However, the opposite side of that is if you don't do anything and continue to stay in limbo, you're pretty likely to have regret as you fast forward 10, 15, 20 years. Okay. So although I don't have an entirely regret-free life, I have lots of learnings and I'm glad many things have happened in the period of my life. And I've made many, 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 many mistakes that have accelerated that learning. I still have some things that I wish I would have done differently. Now that I understand you know, many years later, now that I understand how the science works and the psychology works behind that, I personally 
strive to live a much more regret-free life going forward, which means not ignoring what my body and my mind is telling me, uh, especially something like that, where it's nagging at me saying, hey, you should make a change, but oh man, a change is really hard. And I guess I could stick this out and like going back and forth. Instead, trying not to ignore that and just recognizing that that's an opportunity to potentially have regret going forward. I don't want that. So instead, I am every single time I recognize that that's there. I'm using that as a trigger to be able to say, okay, I have to do something about this. What is it that I have to do? Who should I get help from? How can I you know, diagnose what the right steps are? Like, I don't want to live in regret and I don't want to settle. Those are the two things that I don't want. Instead, what I do want is I know that I want to live a life that is much more on the side of thriving. And if that's the same for you, then that means you have to identify what thriving is for you. And step number one is you've got to declare that I'm going to do something about it. I'm fed up with this. I don't want to live in regret. And you have to move forward in one way or another. So that means you should reach out and get help, or that means that you should make a decision that you're going to take the first step so that you can make all the rest of the steps. Okay. Now here's, here's what else happens. You're in that situation your job is fluctuating, you're oscillating up and down and you're like, ah, should I stay? Should I go? Here's why that doesn't work. One of the other reasons why it doesn't work is because eventually when you're doing that, if you, if you haven't made the decision, Hey, I'm going to do this differently this time around. I'm going to make a change. I'm going to do it in the right way for me. Then you eventually get tired enough of it where you make a change anyways, and you do it out of sheer frustration and sheer emotion and we've seen so many people do this, by the way. And you go and you you make a career change in one way or another, make a job change, and the honeymoon period wears off. And then you're like, oh, oh no, I didn't, I didn't even think about the fact that you know I really wanted to work remotely more of the time, or I didn't even think about the fact that I probably needed to ask about autonomy and flexibility way back in the interview process and try and really filter that out. I didn't even think about the fact that, you know, all my other roles have had a huge amount of decision-making power and I was totally implicitly trusted and I just assumed that it would be the same way going into it. So I didn't, you know, didn't think about that. Okay. Those are the types of things that cause you to cause an otherwise normally confident and self-aware person, a smart, intelligent person to over a short period of time become far less confident and unsure about themselves and their abilities. For me personally, I think that's one of the most painful things to see because I've seen that again and again and again where people have been through that and, or they've been working in a job for a long period of time, but that really isn't utilizing some of their strengths And they feel like they don't even know what their strengths are anymore. Really, what they're saying is, I feel like I don't even know myself anymore. However, here's what I have found is that there is a different way. (laughs) First of all, I got this. I got to that part myself. (laughs) Same situation. And then I said, oh my goodness, there has to be a different way. And it turns out there is, but it's much more unconventional. 
What is it? Well, to answer this question, we need to review how people who have successfully made a career change to work that fits them to their own version of success, we need to review how they've done it. Also, I will tell you right now that if your goal is just to make a job change or just to you know make more money in your next role, then you can probably you know just stop playing this right this second and instead you know focus on something else. What we're going to go into is how people who want much more meaning, much more fulfillment, much more excitement in their work and have it filter over into the rest of their life, making them a better person, a better parent, a better spouse or partner. If that's the type of thing that you want, then carry on. Keep on playing. Okay. Here's why though. That requires a completely different type of change. It really does. It requires a completely different type of change. And when you get to that type of work, when you get to the right role for you, the right company, the right situation, right environment, right culture, right set of opportunities for you, there's actually another side to it too. It requires behaving and interacting with work differently as well. It requires doing things like drawing boundaries. It requires doing things like being able to be true to yourself and authentically interact with others. Otherwise, it can take an amazing situation and turn it into something that is not great anymore. So there's actually two sides to this. And both of those sides are far more difficult than just a job change. Both of them are far different than just a job change. Okay. In episode number two of this series, we're going to go into what are the actual steps. But in this episode, I'd like to cover some examples of people, people that we've interacted with, people that you may have even heard on the podcast, but really we didn't in a 45 minute episode, we didn't get to unpack every bit of how they made that change. I want to do that for you. And I want to do that for you right now. Well, it started in New York City in television production. So I really cut my teeth in the MTV music television arena. That's Tanya. She made her transition from television production to producing festivals and events in the UK. She did what we call the industry crossover. This is where you go from an industry that you have direct experience in and move into one that you don't. So I was, like I said, a TV producer, but I also did experiential marketing around events and I worked on festivals. And until very recently, I was working as a tour manager for pretty big bands. And like I said, I'd done this for years and years and years. And the overwhelming process throughout every new job that I would take was I really don't like this. I really don't like something in my job because it's not fulfilling. But it's not necessarily the work itself, although I'm sure there are bits and pieces that drive me nuts. But it's not that particularly. It's a bigger umbrella, and I can't quite put my finger on what the heck it is. But, you know, there's a new job, and it's right in front of me, so I'll go ahead and grab that one anyway. And that's been pretty much my story year over year. You know, the available job and not really diving in deeply into 
why am I having these thoughts? You know, why is this job career not really fulfilling? So why is this circle keep happening? Exactly. So my journey started when my husband and I decided to move outside of the United States and come over to the United Kingdom. And I was ecstatic for many reasons. But in terms of my career, I thought this would be a great opportunity to just reinvent myself, look at what I've been doing and start from scratch. Fortunately, after a little bit of a longer ordeal getting a work visa, either the spouse work visa, I just kind of sat down and said, I refuse to fall into my old ways. I really need to think about what I want to get out of my next position. I'm in a great place to do that right now. And I tried to do that on my own and realized very, very quickly that I was going nowhere fast. The job searches were pretty much leading me. I was very overwhelmed and very scattered throughout my searches, not really knowing where to focus or how to focus. So getting more and more frustrated throughout the entire process. And then, of course, as I'm looking at the calendar, all of a sudden, a week has gone by, two weeks have gone by, and now then a month, and then two months, three months, and I was getting very bummed out, (laughs) to say the least. And I went online and I think we were talking within the next couple of hours. I called you, emailed you right away and voila, I was inundated with the happen to your career process. Ultimately, putting in the work and the effort throughout the boot camp, really paying attention to myself and my thoughts and like kind of my gut as well, what worked, what didn't work throughout my career, what I was looking for what my wants were, what my motivations were, my minimums, my ideals, etc. And just putting this all down on paper, you know, I realized it's not rocket science. At the end of the day, this is me. But what it did for me is it helped to put me into perspective. You know, it helped me to really think about myself in a different light by evaluating like my skills, my beliefs, my needs and my wants. I mean, it was almost like I was able to see myself through a bigger lens. And then in turn, now I was able to properly position myself and focus myself like in this career transition. And that's the key that had been missing this entire time. I didn't know how to position myself. I didn't know how to focus. And I didn't really know what I wanted at the base. So going through everything, coming out of it at the back end with this great, like my career profile, and and it's there and it's what I want, what I need. And then focusing my search on companies based upon that, that shared my belief system, that had the values that I was looking for. I targeted Wanderlust, and I think it was one of the first companies that came out of my mouth once, as soon as I had this great profile, and I was like, I want to work for Wanderlust. So yeah, and then I just did everything that you guys basically coached us to do, the reach outs, the network, you know, massaging your network to see who knows who and reaching out to them and seeing if you get introductions and being very bold and forward, which is part of what I do in my job. But in terms of a job search, I was very hesitant to do. It's outside your normal conventional operating area. Like, and yeah, that was yeah. the other piece. So it's like, okay, look, you want something this desperately or this badly then why wouldn't you work outside of your normal operating levels or your normal conventions? What's the worst that they can say, (laughs) you know, but that's better than no answer whatsoever that you wouldn't have gotten in the first place. So I did all of that. And I got into one of the co-founders of the festival. I got directly to him. (laughs) And he in turn then, you know, obviously responded to my email. And then because I'm now in the UK, 
he shot me through to that arm that deals with all of the branding outside of the United States. So then, of course, and bigger conversations started there with that entity. And it was a little bit of a painful process just because they weren't quite ready to have the deeper conversations, although they did recognize that I would be a good fit. It was one of those things. It's not necessarily what they can do for you right then and there. It's about establishing a relationship and keeping that relationship going so that when there is an opportunity, you're the first person they're going to think of. And Scott, that's exactly what I did. But you know, Scott, at the end of the day, if you want something and you're determined to make a change in your life and in your career, I could not go another day saying, oh, I'm not happy, or I don't like my job, or I wish I didn't have to go to yeah. work today. I was over that. And I spent way too much time thinking of the negatives. So there was only one thing for me to do, and that was focus on me and the positive and the future. I couldn't dwell on the past anymore. And it wasn't beneficial for me, nor was it beneficial for my job hunt. So what did Tanya do to make this pivot? Well, let's break it down. First thing she did was clarify what she actually wanted. She worked with our team to do this over a few weeks, but pared down her search to producing events for a company that she felt in tune with the mission of. After she had this clarity, she began building a list of her ideal companies. And then from there, she used LinkedIn and email to be able to reach out to people that were in her network or people that appeared to have a connection to these organizations or that knew somebody who did. And then she leveraged the power of introductions, which by the way, if you want to know how to do this, go to the episode that we called how to connect with anyone or go to happentoyourcareer.com slash 209. And that'll take you right there. This got her into what we call test drive conversations or exploratory conversations to find out whether the company might actually be the right fit. By the way, these conversations also have the added benefit of beginning a relationship with whoever you're talking to inside that organization. So if you decide that you want to work there, it becomes an easier transition at that point. But the top company on her list was Wanderlust. And Tanya learned through her test drive conversations that they, guess what, had need for an events person. And since she was already in contact with the organization, it was really easy for her to simply continue the conversation and ask how she could be considered for this role. She went through an informal interview process, and both her and Wanderlust felt like it was an amazing fit. So most of the work happened through these introductions and those test drive conversations. And I have the tools to be able to pivot. I mean, it's called a career pivot for a reason, right? And I yeah. feel more confident yeah. in being able to shift left to right, front or back, whatever, but knowing that I'm going to move forward in a direction that aligns with me. And again, I've never had that before. I've never had that feeling behind me. I decided to go to law school back, I think it was my junior year of college. No one else in my family had gone to law school. And before yeah. all of this, I had actually been thinking, oh, I want to go to med school. And then I took calculus and chemistry at the same time, freshman year. And there's nothing quite like that to like really make, make you reconsider your priorities in life. That's Rebecca. She actually was a lawyer, was an attorney, and it was not a great fit after a period of time. And she changed what she wanted. She was looking for a job that lined up with much, much more of what she really, really actually wanted. We call the type of transition she made the same career, 
but better. And this might mean a lot of different things for for different people. Sometimes it means more flexibility. Sometimes it means you know having a boss or people that you really thrive in working with that you didn't have before. In other cases, it means a completely different environment. Sometimes it means remote work for people. Sometimes it means the right amount of creativity and autonomy. Either way, every single one of those cases is identifying what you need and then making sure that even if you're in the same occupation, you're in a much, much better aligned organization or company or job or version of that role. Here's what happened for Rebecca. So I ended up going to law school because I like the idea of how you could use advocacy and arguments to like build a foundation to achieve something for someone. Because I think ultimately at the end of the day, I, I wanted to help people and that's what moved me towards law school. I decided to kind of start talking to a few people of where do people even start? Where do you even go? And I ended up connecting with an office in DC. That's why that part of my life led from the law into politics. And then I did that for a couple of years. There's kind of this catch 22 if you want to go work for Congress, they say, okay, first you need to have experience to go before you go with congressional something and something in politics before you get, you can be considered. But then you say, well, I need the job to get experience so I can be considered. So that's where the politics comes in is when you're trying to say, okay, here's some kind of connection. Here's some kind of connection we have. Here's something you have to your office. It is really exciting. It is really interesting because you're dealing with some very big issues and everything's saying, yeah, it's changing all the time. And you work with some very motivated, very intelligent people and some very diplomatic and great people to work with. But at the same time, it's sometimes working at 50,000 feet, you know, feeling like you're kind of hovering above ground. I think after a while, I was starting to wonder about my impact and connecting with people and wondering, is this the best use of my skills? And I remember people saying, Oh man, but you've got the dream. And (laughs) it kind of raises a red flag. If people say you have the dream, you think, yeah, there's a lot of truth to that, but something feels off right now, at least for what I think I'm looking for. Sometimes we would start working on an issue and then something else would become more politically important to be working on or focusing on. So jumping around, you know, you have a lot of loose ends. And I thought, okay, what am I accomplishing here? And I started feeling a little bit of that disconnect. And then also uh, there's the sort of, there's a thoroughness impact, but also the, the depth of the issue where when you're working on like a higher level on issues, You don't want to dive too deep into the weeds, but you also need to create something. So I became a very versatile generalist (laughs) Uh, looking at different issues across the spectrum. I think when you're running on an inch deep, mile wide, you know, some people thrive in that environment. They see the bigger forces and they enjoy just kind of, you know, staying a little bit in the substance, but mostly on the bigger forces and political forces and navigating that. But for me, I found that this is all very exciting. I would love to have something where I get to dive deep more into, be more of an expert on, sink my teeth into more. So I started reconsidering my impact and as well as my, ultimately, how did I want my ideal office? How, at least for how I get my rewards out of work, what makes sense? It's like having 
a big policy issue work or is it more of a one-on-one relationship with a client like that kind of work and I thought actually I think it's the client I just started piece by piece picking things off and sometimes too when you're in that environment you know that something's not working but you're not quite sure what and it sometimes can be hard to hear your voice in that space and I kind of try to like, just, you know, keep where just keep swimming, just keep swimming, right? Keep going, keep going. You can do it. Just keep focus. Everyone goes and runs into issues like this. And then eventually something starts to give. You say, you know, maybe something is off. I would also say during that time, because people are, are nervous and they project that nervousness onto you. And in addition to your own like insecurities or, you know, trying to deal with, oh my gosh, where is this going? am I, am I able to do this? Did I make the right decision? Oh my goodness. Ah. Ah. Yeah. I would definitely, you know, the negative voices come and something I also, that was helpful for me during the coaching experience was it's also very important to give yourself some grace, show yourself some grace. And I would totally recommend Elizabeth Gilbert. Love her. She has her book, big magic. And yeah, when Elizabeth Gilbert was talking about artists who put so much pressure on themselves to try to create their whole career off of their art, that it kills their creative muscle. I, that resonated with me so deeply. I thought, Oh my gosh, I feel such similar pressure with finding the job. Where's your career trajectory going? Like finding, proving success. This is about finding what is my best fit for my skills. This is about finding the next best step in my career for me to be successful where the average person might put in a hundred percent and get a hundred percent back, but maybe where I put in a hundred percent and I get a hundred fifty to two hundred percent back because I'm just doing what I'm supposed to do. Okay, so what did Rebecca actually do to make this happen? Well, we initially helped her define what she really wanted before just jumping in the job search, which by the way, you might be noticing a pattern here. We believe pretty strongly that that's a key part in doing that upfront work to really clarify what you want, because guess what? It helps you focus your job search when you get to the job search part and makes it much more effective. Yeah. Not a surprise, but still most people don't do it or they don't get to the deep enough level to actually make a difference as they get into that next role. Okay. But she did a great job going through that process, and she had actually anticipated that she wouldn't want to continue to practice law in the way that she had been. But we realized that many of the things that she wanted were really important to her could actually be achieved by making a location and a company change. Pretty cool, right? Okay. So she began both having conversations actively with people in the area on the West Coast, actually out in California, that she wanted to be in. She also, at the same time, began finding organizations that had a need for her skill set and the experiences. And then she made a list. She began reaching out to and at the same time applying for those organizations, at least the ones that had open positions. And a lot of this ended up taking place on the phone. A lot of that reach out, a lot of the uh, the other pieces took place on the phone because she couldn't simply just go to coffee with people in the same town. And since it was very focused on the location and the organizations that she already knew she was interested in, this combination of efforts began leading her to conversations and interviews relatively quickly. And because it was pared down to the small group of organizations, when she got the job offer, she already knew it would be a fit. So after I take the bar in August, I'm looking forward to joining a firm in Fresno, California. 
where I will be doing essentially doing litigation and using all of those tools and things that I learned in law school and putting them to good use. I'm a commercial manager. Um, I've just started working for a great company. It's actually a radio station here in Australia. Louise is a Brit who relocated to Australia and now she has a job she loves. But before, honestly, it wasn't that great for even a few years, in fact. And I mean, sure, she's had a ton of success in her career. Now, the only problem with that was it wasn't necessarily the success that she wanted. So she changed jobs and then she did it again. And it turns out it didn't have the impact that she wanted to. And we'll we'll tell you all about that, but let's go way back for just a minute. (laughs) So I started out and it's quite a sad story really when somebody asks you what you want to be when you're, when you're little. And I don't actually know why, but I said I wanted to be an accountant. So I kind of, I did, uh, you know, business studies at university, yeah. went through, and I've had a very linear career path. And there's probably wasn't a huge amount of thought into my path. And I mean that in terms of, I was just in that traditional, you get a job, you work hard, you get promotion, you move up, you do a slightly different job. And that's kind of what I've done. So I started off um, studying SEMA, so Chartered Management Accountants. And I just moved through roles of, you know, with job descriptions of management accountant, financial accountant. And yeah, I just did that. Every move was was a promotion and a chance to do new skills. But over the last 15 years or so, I've pretty much been in the same career I've moved from having to actually make sure the P&L is okay or looking at balance sheets I hate that that's not where my my motivation lies I think looking back I just knew that there was parts of my job that really frustrated me there's probably no specific moment and it's probably maybe only over the last three to four years yeah that I've really thought about why do I get frustrated or what's not motivating me? And then it's kind of, I just don't like that day to day because the situation may change, the industry may change, but what you're actually doing doesn't change. So for me, I just got really bored. So it was right. Okay. This is boring me. It's not happening for me. Let's just go and do it somewhere else. (laughs) You know, (laughs) Oh, it's going to be completely different in a new, in a new business. I put so much weight on my career. It kind of defined me in a way. Uh And I think some of that might be because of my, you know, upbringing and the fact that I'm the only one to have done this thing. So me, you know, nobody else has made me feel this way, but I've put it on me, you know, that I had to be great at this. I had to know what I was doing. You know, I had to constantly, you know, progress um, and that I would just be this one that had it all sorted. And this was the first time that I went, oh, I don't actually like this. And I don't know if I want to be doing this anymore. How did you think about that once you started to realize that, hey, this definition of myself is causing some less than desirable pieces? (laughs) Yeah, there's probably two things to it. One is, you know, you just tell yourself, suck it up. You know, you kind of just, (laughs) you just, you know, you're in a really good position compared to other people. You know, your salary is great. You're working for big name companies. You've had progression. You know, when you go and speak to people, it's taken me a long time to be proud of my achievements and be able to sell them to people rather than underplaying them. So it kind of like, oh, just what are you complaining about? 
you know, this is just, you've got it all. Don't just get over it. It just must be a, a phase that you're going through. And then the other side of that is I just really did not know what another option was or what, what I wanted. So that was one of the hardest things. So even from this role, I moved again to another company and did almost exactly the same role. Yeah. I, I still went through that. It must be the company. It's the company that's making me feel this way, not the actual role. I just did not know what else to do. So I actually took a, I think I had a few conversations or I got in touch um, and discussed working on career change bootcamp. And then I got a little bit of the cold feet and I backed off yeah. <laughs> and uh, I went on holiday. And then just the thought of actually going back to work after that holiday, it was like, I can't do it. I don't, I've only been away for two weeks, but this, no, I really need to be serious about this now and do something about this. And that's when I finally thought, right, I'm committed. I'm going to get some help. And that's when I signed up for Career Change Bootcamp. What allowed you to make the most headway on this, aside from some of the realizations that, the, that you had? Because now you're in this new role and it didn't happen by magic. It was, it was a <laughs> bunch of hard work. You and I, before we hit the record button too, said... <laughs> Hey, when you're in the moment, it really just feels like a lot of hard work in some ways, right? It was the realization that I don't have to go from a bad situation to the perfect situation straight away. Mm. I just wasn't in that place, you know, going back to my mental and emotional state. So I did go and I spoke to, you know, 10 or 20 people in the areas I thought I wanted to do in the companies I wanted to work with. I was, I was doing all of that. So that was really, really beneficial for me, but it wasn't getting me to, into a good place. My brain could not cope with the, the thought process of I needed to get out of my mental state of where I was at the moment. I needed to get out of a company that and a role that wasn't making me fulfilled and was perpetuating this negative vibe. So what did Louise actually do that was so vital to her pivot? Well, I broke down the others for you step by step, but I want to let Louise summarize this for you. That was where the planning of, okay, so what's really important to you really came into place. So for me, um, there was a couple of um, key buckets. So when you look at, you know, culture of a company, location of a company, whether there's a different type of industry, whether, you know, flexibility plays a part. And I had conversations with people who, we were started talking about where I might want to go. And there was one lady who asked me to create this five or six page deck that would explain who I am, what I want very uh, succinctly, but also in the most effective, strong way. Yeah. And all, all these things really help get towards, you know, I was applying for jobs and I was going for some interviews and I was in the interview and it all helped me to sell myself better in that interview, but it also helped me to recognize, oh, I don't think I want to work here. You know, I'm going to be moving again to a company where it might not be the right fit for me. And so at the end of last year, so I've only been in my current role for just under three months now. At the end of last year, this opportunity came up and it kind of excited me from a company perspective. As I said, being a radio station, it's got that different vibe. And so yes. 
I've got myself into a situation now where I've probably ticked off five of my main things, my inboxes of what a company location, the culture needs to be for me. So the culture and the registration is amazing. Everybody's really friendly. It sounds so small, but I was in the kitchen making myself a cup of tea and people were coming up and introducing themselves to me saying, welcome, we haven't seen you before. Whereas in past companies, I've been in a situation where people were just walking past each other without smiling. Walk straight, <laughs> straight on by. Hey, if you enjoyed the episode today, then I think you'll really love the episode this Thursday, because we're going to go through all of those steps to career change. In fact, the 13 steps that I mentioned at the very beginning of this episode, and we're going to go through each one and share with you a little bit about what you need to know in order to make the most out of every step. If you're making a career change to meaningful work that you actually want to be doing, I'll see you then next time right here on Happen to Your Career. Mm-hmm.